everybody. Welcome to Dr. Podcast. Appreciate you all being here. Today is a really interesting show. Stay with me. Uh, of course, I want to remind you to see the streaming program Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 3 o'clock, generally Pacific time. Um, we're sort of winding down after dark, but uh, we may have some new things in 2024 to keep an eye out for. And of course, me and Adam are always together. And this podcast will continue with great guests. Today is no exception. Now, I want to warn you, today, I am so excited about this product. This is going to sound like some sort of paid promotion. I, I would like to be a paid promoter of this product, but I am not at this point. This is going to sound like it, including having a promotional code that I want to promote because I think everyone should have this product. You'll understand it if you listen for a few minutes here, how much of a breakthrough this is. So it is fatty, F-A-T-T-Y 15.com forward slash D-R-D-R-E-W, Dr. Drew to save, let's see, 15%, I think, something like that. You know, you're pretty sure, yeah, fatty, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 15%. Uh, but anyway, you're going to want this product. Oh, no, 20%. You get 20% off. Uh, and let me tell you this. Uh, let's see, you receive 20% off. There you go. Uh, so uh, I want to introduce our guests because they are the they are the founders and the researchers and the um, this, the, the scientists that have put this all together that you're going to want to listen to. And they come from very different disciplines, which I like even more. Uh, Dr. Stephanie Van Watson is a veterinary epidemiologist, a public health scientist. She's worked for the CDC uh, and the World Health Organization and the Defense Against Research Projects, the Defense Advanced Research Projects uh, Agency, which is where some of this stuff uh, was discovered. Uh, Eric is uh, also doc, uh, Dr. Ven Watson. He's a physician, healthcare entrepreneur, U.S. Navy veteran. Uh, and so before we get into the fatty story, I just want to welcome you guys. Did I get your particulars correct? You did. Uh, hi, Dr. Drew. It's great to be here. It's great to have you guys. Hello. And do, do I remember, Eric, do I remember this correctly? Were you, were you an orthopedic surgeon at one point? Is that what I'm remembering? Yes, I spent uh, 27 years in the Navy and Marine Corps as a physician and backgrounds in orthopedic surgery and aerospace medicine. Got it. All right. So uh, this is about dolphins and people love dolphins and love animals and dolphins have always done humanity a great service, and this is no exception. So I'm going to ask Stephanie, Dr. Van Watson, Stephanie, to tell us the story. And don't hold back on any of it. Give us every little detail. It's such a great story. So and you, you, when you hear this story, you will understand why I'm so enthusiastic about this product. I take it. I make my family take it. There's few products. There's a few. I've become a supplement sort of advocate in recent years. And there are a few where I really think we're doing something, and this is one of them. So have at it. Great. Thanks. So, um, yeah, it's all very exciting. And it uh, was an accidental discovery, uh, as you'll as you'll hear. So I uh, was, as you mentioned, Dr. Drew, I'm a veterinary epidemiologist. I was working for the World Health Organization, thought I was going to go chase Ebola uh, down in Africa. Uh, and then about 20 years ago, I was invited by the U.S. Navy to help start and lead a clinical research program to continually improve the health and welfare of Navy dolphins. And I was just like, well, heck yeah. But the dolphins, again, these are the dolphins that were putting sonar devices on submarines and things or doing mine sweeping. <laughs> or what, what would the dolphins do? They keep, the people don't understand. They keep a supply of dolphins ready. Yeah. So exactly. So the Navy has cared for 
population, a sustained population of about a hundred bottlenose dolphins for over 60 years. Wow. Uh, they live in the open ocean um, and they go out in the open ocean every day, every day they choose to come back. It's really amazing. So the Navy really leverages uh, the superpowers of dolphins that they already have. And so they are able to use their sonar um, and abilities to be able to find underwater objects, enemy swimmers. Uh, their job is to go in, go find uh, the threat and then inform uh, their human counterparts who can then go in and intervene. So it's really been an amazing program. Mm -hmm. So, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> the story goes for a while. I'm gonna keep, it's, it's just great. I don't want to miss any part of it. If I jump in, it's just going to be to amplify certain elements of the story. Absolutely. So, uh, so because the dolphins um, are so valued uh, for their their service for the military, uh, then you know Navy takes extraordinarily good care of them. Uh, su such good care, in fact, that Navy dolphins live on average more than fifty percent longer than dolphins in the wild. Dolphins mm -hmm. in the wild live to about twenty years old. Dolphins in the Navy are living um, up into fifty and older. So. Over the, the years, they've really been growing and having a larger population of geriatric dolphins. Um, and that's where I came in. So they've been um, amazingly uh, good at collecting health data on these dolphins throughout their entire lifetime. And so as an epidemiologist, I was able to come in and understand aging Navy dolphins to help them live as long and healthy as possible. So we started uh, discovering over a 10-year period that aging Navy dolphins look a lot like us. So they can develop chronic inflammation, high cholesterol, um, even fatty liver disease, um, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, because dolphins don't drink alcohol, mm -hmm. and uh, as well as uh, even the full suite of changes consistent with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, and so because of that, we were able to basically access experts on the human side to say, hey, what are we doing for humans to help with these conditions? And can we apply those to help with dolphins? And so it all it's all this whole story has come from the true intent of improving the health and welfare of the Navy dolphins, which is wonderful. OK, so that's where we start. <laughs> Yep. So for dolphins. I didn't know the part about them going out to sea and coming back. That's rather extraordinary. That, that's an amazing piece. It's, of it's incredible. Where can you, are they secretly? Yeah, it, can you tell us where that was? Just I'm curious. Uh, so they, they live in Point Loma. So here in um, San Diego Bay. Uh, and again, they live in the open bay. Uh, it's their, their pod. They get taken care of well. And uh, it's it's a big reason why the program has been so successful. It's, you know, the dolphins are choosing hmm. um, to be part of this uh, community. Incredible. Okay, keep going. That's great. Okay, so there we were, right? Uh, so now identifying uh, aging Navy dolphins, similar conditions as aging people. Here's the really interesting part, right? That not all dolphins in the same population were aging the same way. So we were seeing some dolphins develop these aging associated diseases and other dolphins not, despite the fact that they were both, they're aging in the same environment, getting the same health care. So that created an opportunity for us to then apply an advanced technology called metabolomics. And it's just a fancy word for looking at 
you know, thousands of small molecules in that's present in the dolphin's blood, but also present in ours, as well as their all fish diet. So this is a big hint, right? Mm-hmm. To see which small molecules predicted the healthiest aging dolphins. And, and what, it was just, again, to zero in a little more, we have time to really tell all the details of this story. What other small, what kind of else, else came your way? What else were you thinking? Oh, it might be this, might be that. I'm just curious what kind of showed up. Yeah. So we had uh, assumed that it was going to be omega-3, you know, polyunsaturated fatty acids that were going to predict the healthiest aging dolphins. We thought all they eat are fish. Were you only looking at fatty acids or did you look at proteins as well? Oh, we looked at everything. So we were like, yeah, we were looking at um, protein, amino acids, Mm. lipids. Um, It was over 465 really different types of molecules. Uh, So this was a, you know, not a biased uh, study with regard to what would be conferring the benefit. Yes. So surprise. So we found about a hundred molecules that predicted the healthiest aging dolphins. Um, So this is really just the beginning, but among the top, was this molecule called C15, um, otherwise known as pentadecanoic acid. And in fact, it wasn't omega-3s, didn't even make the list, the short list of predicting healthier aging dolphins. It was surprisingly an odd chain saturated fat. So here we're talking about a saturated fatty acid in fish, present in fish, that was predicting the healthiest aging dolphins. I'm going to beg ignorance here on the odd chain. What's the significance of that? Oh, so it's, it's, it ends up being a big deal. Um, so when we talk about saturated fats, right? So since the late 1970s, we've been talking about all saturated fats are bad for us, right? Even the nutritional recommendations today, um, it has like 165 pages. They mentioned saturated fat as a negative thing, 168 times. (laughs) So we're still in the middle of all saturated fats are bad. There are now dozens and dozens and dozens of studies that have been led by teams throughout the world independently that have consistently repeatedly shown that they're not all saturated fats are the same. So, uh, that's broken down into two categories. There are even chain saturated fatty acids and odd chain saturated fatty acids. The even chain, it's like it sounds, has an even number of carbons in the chain. So C16, C18, odd chain, very simply, odd number of carbons in the chain, C15, C17. And it ends up while these even chain saturated fats continue to be associated with a higher risk of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, all the things we've been taught about saturated fats. There are these little Goldilocks odd chain saturated fats, specifically C15, that has that is having the opposite effect, lower risk of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, um, fatty liver disease. I'm not even convinced that the even chain saturated fatty acids are, are I, I think that story has evolved, let's just say. And, and certainly... I have grave concerns about the vegetable oils and the heating of vegetable oils and all these things that we, you, we, if you want to talk about, I mean, I, didn't I put you in, did I put you in touch with Kate Shanahan or I think I brought her up last time we spoke and um, you know, Kate Absolutely. already? Uh, no, you had introduced, uh, introduced yeah. the name. So we look yeah. forward to that, that well, conversation. I get you guys together because she's biochemist and a lot of work in this area. And she is, she goes, look, you know, human nutrition is so complicated. We can say so very little, but I can say this about fatty acids. And uh, <laughs> she's very clear about it. Yeah. 
So, yeah, anyway, that's- so it doesn't surprise me that there'd be a good saturated fat. Uh, and it, and maybe her story needs to be refined more. I'd be interested to hear what she says about your stuff. So keep going. So we have C15. We found it. And what were all the effects? Again, you sort of glossed over some of that. Let's hear more of that. Absolutely. So once we made that discovery in the dolphins, then we moved C15 into the lab. Um, and we spent three years doing eight studies. Um, and these studies were uh, driven uh, by, we went to uh, Dr. Ed Dennis. He is a leader in fatty acids. We brought this hypothesis to him about this uh, you know, C15 being a, a good saturated fat. And He's, you know, said, ah, highly unlikely that we all missed that one, mm-hmm. but here are the studies you'd want to do. So with that, then um, we went to the lab. We then um, were able to assess how C15 works. So that's not just associated with better health, that it causes it. So we now know the, what's called the mechanism of action, how C15 works at the cellular level, what that means from a clinically relevant standpoint, and how that translates into not only long-term better metabolic uh, liver, heart, and immune health, but now with our latest study with improved longevity. So happy to, that's a whole lot of no, uh, things to dive it. into and happy it. to dive Let's into go. the specifics it's of time. any Let's of those. And... Give me each of them. Okay. Great. So with regard to um, the the direct cellular benefits and how it works, um, C15 is uh, what's called an AMPK activator and an mTOR inhibitor. Those are just fancy words, but it, if you are in the longevity space, who I know I just got your ears <laughs> peach because these are the two mechanisms that the top, that the two leading longevity molecules use that tap into what's called the human longevity pathway. If you could get these, these two mechanisms to happen, if you could turn up AMPK and turn down mTOR, that will lead to a longer life. I want to remind you about our friends at Biotic Quest. It is a product that could revolutionize, well, certainly your gut biome. Sugar Shift Probiotic by Biotic Quest. Of course, navigating probiotics can be well, daunting, but Biotic Quest Sugar Shift is here to make it easy. Sugar Shift isn't your typical probiotic, it's a game changer. What makes Sugar Shift stand out? It's a powerhouse that doesn't just restore balance to your gut microbiome, it addresses things like inflammation and hopefully stabilizes blood sugar curious about how it works sugar shift converts glucose and fructose in the gut to prebiotic mannitol it's a free radical scavenger that promotes a more diverse microbiome in the gut with eight probiotic strains it's not like other probiotics BiotiQuest groundbreaking patented formula speaks volumes about the metabolic engine of the gut and you need to get the right product to adjust it and here is the exciting part. You can get 15% discount off the first three months of your Sugar Shift subscription with my promo code DREW15. While results may vary, clinical trial results indicate the best results come at three months and beyond. Take charge at B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T dot com, dot com with code DREW15. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. 
what's the downstream? Is that just observational or is there something we know mechanism downstream for these two? Mechanism downstream includes what we're then see at uh, direct effects of C15, which is anti-inflammatory. It stops um, what's called the zombie cells. So as we get older, our cells become senescent or old, and they just sit around worrying like zombies. They're not working for us, but they're generating inflammatory states within our uh, tissues. That drives aging. Chronic inflammation drives aging. It okay. also. Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna drill in again. So, so you people that are that are into this field will remember will notice this is a. You'll hear this kind of uh, narrative in the fasting zone. People want to. They think that fasting is clearing the zombie cells, so called. Which I'm again. I'm not totally convinced of, but I'm, I'm interested. Um, you mentioned you use the word inflammation, and when that word is thrown around a lot, and what your husband saw in joint inflammation in people with osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis and whatnot, or chondrocalcinosis, those are all inflammatory. But I'm not I'm not convinced that's what we're talking about per se when we talk about the kind of inflammation. The same cells are involved, but I kind of my own synthesis is it's something a little different. So I want to hear yours. I, I think it's a combination of the two there. When we talk about, it's called inflammaging, right? So as we get older, we get this chronic low-lying inflammatory state. Uh, and, so and what is that? Is that, an ex, is that an activation of certain T cells? Is that a cytotoxic uh, proclivity? What, what's going on? What, what do yeah, we think that is? exactly. So overactivation primarily of T cells, of neutrophils. Um, and uh, then that then creates this like ongoing again, low-lying inflammatory state, this releases pro and what's called pro-inflammatory cytokines, mm -hmm. specifically things like IL-6 and MCP1 and TNF-alpha. No, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent up to this point. Now, my own theory is, this is where I think I divert from a lot of people's stuff, is that what I've observed is insulin seems to play a role in all this also. And the only way I can pull all that together, one of the ways to pull all that together is, is I start thinking about the endothelium, the lining of our arteries. And, and I get, I'm of the opinion that this, the capillaries and the small arteries really may be where the inflammatory process does its most significant damage. I mean, oxygen delivery is obviously essential for cell health and maintaining our organ, our brain in particular. Do you have any sense that it's an endothelial thing that somehow all that inflammatory material in the setting of insulin is going to injure the endothelium where the macrophages in particular seem to be, you know, likely culprits in that, and that might hook to the neutrophils. Yeah, Dr. G, I think you're spot on. Um, so uh, as an example, you know, there's this, uh, we use a screening tool called Biomap, and it's 12 different human cell systems mimicking various disease states. Mm. Um a couple of those cell systems, and then a couple of those cell systems use vascular endothelial cells um, paired with inflammation to mimic a variety of chronic disease states oh, for exactly for what you just stated. Yeah. Not, not that it couldn't also affect your liver and your brain in other ways. I mean, you know, we're a lot, it's interesting now I'm, I'm reading a lot of this literature on inflammation in the long COVID setting. And then there, and that seems to, and I believe that acute COVID is an endotheliitis. I think that's a lot of where it gets really going and the vaccine may have some of that, but, but we're seeing this sort of low level inflammatory state in the brain that it seems more than just this endothelial thing in the long COVID. So, you know, again, just the inflammation is becoming a, 
everyone hears the word and and very rarely do you get people to really drill into exactly i mean inflammation is a lot of things and you you just mentioned about nine of them you know in terms of the uh, the interleukin cascades and the cytokine cascades and the, which cells are involved in this. And we, you know, we, and we tell these narrative stories, almost like nursery school tales about these inflammatory pathways. The actual biochemistry is way more complicated. That is absolutely right. And so what's nice is about these screening tools that we're using, you know, they're done by third party um, industry experts that, uh, you know, we're able to look at, over 36 different components of the inflammatory mm. world. And mm. then that way we were able to dive in and say which component and which part of the inflammatory world does C15 have its greatest effect uh, that's both dose-dependent and clinically relevant. So here we are. You've made these observations. I, I, I'm not sure we reviewed all the prospective <laughs> studies. Did we get those all out? No. Uh, so, so, right. So then, you know, so we've also been able to show that, uh, so C15 also helps with repairing mitochondrial function. As we get older, you know, the mitochondria, of course, are third grade powerhouses of the cells uh, that keeps them energized. That as we get older, there's a certain component of the mitochondria that breaks down. It's called complex one. Uh, C15 has a really neat trick to get around it, and it just skips to complex two. So it helps to basically get our mitochondria back up and running. Probably one of and helps with cellular signaling. So we talked about this AMPK and mTOR activities and perhaps one of the most exciting and simple activities of C15 that allows it to have all these effects um, contributes to it, especially with regard to aging and longevity is that it is a stable molecule. So Dr. Drew, you talked about oils, right? And so oils are polyunsaturated fatty acids. Polyunsaturated is almost like, you know, is um, polyunstable. Un- fatty acids. Mm -hmm. They're susceptible to lipid peroxidation. Oxygen gets to that, those double bonds. And then we get oxidation of rancidity in the bottle and in our body. C15 is a saturated fat. So it has no double bonds to attack the, um, so it is highly resistant against oxidation, which drives cell breakdown, drives aging, drives inflammation. And so it physically goes into our cell membranes and literally stabilizes them against breakdown. Okay. Hold as on, an hold example, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. I got a bunch of questions right there. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time you and I have talked about the oxidative stress part of this. And, and I do my own little theory is that's the other big story in, in aging and inflammation. Uh, now, you're driving it into the the these let's call it a cell wall of the mitochondria or of the cell generally of the cell okay and, and there's a lot of material these days about the nad pathway and particularly the nad pathway in the mitochondria and mitochondria health that kind of thing so just for people just a little sketch here i mean this is what oxidation is sort of hydrogen what the, when oxygen where they are transferred and how they're transferred and and it, and it there's pretty there's very good evidence that the oxidative state of a cell and of the mitochondria is very very important for the health of the cell and the aging potential of the cell I guess would be the way to say it because this language gets a little obscure here. Um, but tell me about that. How did the how does the cell membrane, the mitochondria, the NAD system, how does that all fit together? Yeah, so it's it's really so we're far upstream. So before everything kind of starts falling apart, right? Uh, downstream, including NAD and all is- So that's more have- downstreaming. Okay, see, I don't think that of that is- downstream. So, okay, that's important. Yeah, yeah okay. 
So this is, um, you know, truly at the cell um, membrane level, having these stable fats. There's a really cool um, theory of longevity. It's called the cell membrane pacemaker theory of aging. It was brought forth by AJ Holbert in Australia. That's and a he, new one for me. Yeah, he did some fascinating work and he showed, he looked at, you know, the question of how do longer live mammals live longer than shorter live mammals, right? Mm-hmm. Again, a big advantage of us looking at dolphins and humans instead yeah. of mice, worms, and flies. Yeah. So he, he showed that the longer a mammalian long uh, lifespan was, the more stable were the fatty acids in their cell membranes. So the more unsaturated fats they have in their cell membranes, the shorter that species lives. Mm. And he was able to attribute it to exactly what you were saying, which is at higher levels of lipid peroxidation. Mm. So the from, more from, we get the mechanism of that, is that, is that it's, just, yeah, it's a direct effect of just, you know, over time we get right, exposed direct, to oxygen. It's, it's, there's no enzyme yeah. involved. There's no enzyme transfer mechanism. No. Just happens with time. Okay. Yeah. It just happens okay. with time. You know, oxygen that we need to live it inevitably ends up being the thing that kills us. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, a, um, that's an interesting observation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so C15 as a stable, fatty acid that's resistant to oxidation, it fits right into um, Holbert's um, theory of longevity, that the longer we can keep stable fatty acids in our cell membrane that protect our cells against lipid peroxidation so, breakdown, the longer that species lives. So this is the point, and Eric, apologies that we've left you out of this conversation. <laughs> we need to jump in, please. Yeah, do. But the, I, real, the real I'm doctors. Going the, I'm going to the researcher <laughs> here on this one. Um, but this, this was a question I've been ruminating about that I was intending to ask you. And this is the point that this starts to become relevant for me. How do you figure out, how do you get the C15 there? How do you get it into the cell? How do you get into the cell membrane? How, what, how do you figure out what dose frequency? I, 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 why shouldn't I take three times a day? How do we, how, how do we know what to do with this? Yeah, it's, we've been really lucky <laughs> because very rarely is a molecule both a biomarker and the therapeutic, right? Usually it's, and so the fact that C15 is an essential fatty acid, which means we need certain levels of it in our body, in our cells, in order to maintain our baseline health. If we go below that, science is increasingly important, supporting that our, we start falling apart. We actually start accelerating our aging rate. Mm-hmm. So because of that gift, I mean, there are only three molecules that meet that um, you know, that criteria of an essential fatty acid. So because of that, we've been able, and others around the world have been able to repeatedly show, well, one, we're meant to get C15. We get every mammal gets C15 at birth. So it is in um, mammalian milk, right? So we're meant to get this from birth to help protect our long-term health. So it's our bodies were made to eat it, to absorb it, at relatively low levels, it's about uh, 100 to 300 milligrams per day mm. of C15 that we get from birth all the way um, through uh, through our lives we're supposed to get. Mm. We know that at those levels, extensive what's called pharmacokinetic or bioavailability studies have been done with the pure C15 ingredient that Eric can talk about, um, that it's readily bioavailable and that one to 300 milligrams 
of that pure um, C15 um, that's in fatty 15, we know that that increases our levels in our blood of C15 from uh, 10 micromolars for every 100 milligrams we eat. We know that the sweet spot, whether it's a mitochondrial study, an epidemiological study, or an in vivo efficacy study, we know that the sweet spot for C15 is around 20 uh, micromolars of C15. So again, per, in the blood, in the blood. Yep. So I'm guessing these are tagged radioactive tags that you, you follow or something. Hmm? That that's exactly right. Yeah. And you can also, it's now readily measured. So doctors, physicians can order in tests for C15 in the blood. Mm-hmm. Should, cause I'm always tempted to take more of your product. Cause I, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so is that what we should be doing with the management of uh, fatty? Uh, yeah, I, you know, right now we're kind of following what nature has told us. Um, you know, we've taken C15 out of our diets because our primary source is whole dairy fat. Um, mm. so we're trying to put it back in. So we're not trying to be like, take a 10,000 X dose to, so it's more like, let's get pure C15, um, delivered to our bodies without having to fight against the sat, the, you know, the other ingredients present in the dairy fats that are, competing with are it. you going to do those studies where you start pushing the doses and see what happens and we are like, eric's yes eric's <laughs> <laughs> as the doctor it's like darn right so i do we do think it there will be a difference between uh as a supplement you know for prevention and for maintenance versus disease treatment okay, right and so it'll well, make sense, sense. Yeah. that higher doses will yeah. be more and what's been wonderful is that the studies are showing that it can do both so and that's where it would be fatty liver uh so yeah variety the the one that we're really been going after is um fatty liver disease okay. uh right so exactly an alcoholic fatty liver disease is the thought to be the leading cause of cirrhosis going forward mostly because of our diets and obesity and insulin resistance all this stuff that contributes to that You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with the investigator who solved a serial killer case that had gone cold for decades. There was a definite spike in serial predator crime in the 1970s. Joe D'Angelo was a full-time law enforcement officer. He's breaking into houses in the middle of the night, raping women or girls that are home alone that he's binding up and sexually assaulting. He ended up committing 50 of these attacks in Northern California between 1976 and 1979 and just disappeared. The last thing I did in my career before I retired was I drove up and parked in front of his house. I didn't know he was a Golden State killer, but I debated, should I just go knock on his door? This was such a brazen, brutal predator. He absolutely had to be caught. To learn more about how Paul Holes puts himself inside the minds of serial killers, check out episode 725 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. So maybe this is the time to bring Eric in. It's a perfect sort of segue. Eric, it is interesting that our heads both, because we're used to, uh, Stephanie, we're used to pushing physiology in a direction. You know what I mean? That's sort of how we're trained. It's like we get disease states, which is abnormal physiology. We're trying to push it back. And then we start thinking, well, can we push it beforehand? You know, can we really push it in a direction that prevents disease? So, so that's sort of our training. But Eric, I'll let you have at it uh, in terms of also the pure C- C15 story. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I am here, but I'm listening to Dr. <laughs> Stephanie and she is amazing. 
So everything she said is is amazing. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we were actually um, moving this forward originally as a pharmaceutical, right, to treat yeah. baffled NASH pulmonary fibrosis. And we had the option, basically. Pulmonary fibrosis, to, too. Right. In what right. Setting? Fibrotic diseases. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis? or Correct. Or- weird yeah with dod funding which was great and those things are still moving forward and so Uh. we had the actual uh question in our minds was do we continue with this as a pharmaceutical or and you know and and submit the ind or do we come out with it as a supplement and because and a food ingredient and because it's a natural molecule Mm. we decided to move forward as a food ingredient and a supplement called fatty 15 so and then I want to go back one thing. We talked about management and how you measure this. So you can yeah. measure C15 in a fatty acid panel. Um, you can only you can also measure the amount of C15, but you can also test uh, you know, results in a regular five-year blood panel, like a CBC. You know, we've seen improvements in hemoglobin, hematocrit, uh, liver function, um, cholesterol, total cholesterol, LDL, and chemistry panel. Those is that all fatty liver stuff? Is that all? It's liver? related, of course. Yeah. But okay. you know, we were actually one of the things we were actually moving this forward for was for a treatment of anemia. Um, anemia. You know, yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. we saw that in the dolphins. That you know, long story short, their cells were more stable. And so their red blood cells lasted longer. They were less likely to get anemia. So our first clinical trial was planned to be for anemia of, you know, aging. And, uh, or, or anemia of chronic disease. The other, is, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so COVID happened. Uh-huh. So we had a large clinical trial planned, but we, we decided not to go forward with it for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons at that time. But it's, okay. it's still something that C15 has been shown to improve anemia, yeah. which is amazing. And so the, to the last, right. To the last point is this ingredient. And and so we looked at a variety of ways to make this ingredient. We could have taken it from uh, dairy products or fat, but the amounts in those things are so low. It's very difficult to do. We could have used algae. We could have used fermentation, other things, but they create an oil Mm. (laughs) and oils oxidize and oils cause peroxidation, lipid peroxidation, both in a bottle and in your body, as we talked about. So we actually, uh, decided to make a free fatty acid based on plant-based starting materials um, and convert those plant-based starting materials to pure C15. Mm. So what is in the fatty 15 capsule is actually 100% pure C15. It's mm-hmm. the same ingredient we're using for all the clinical trials, including you know NAFOLD and, and pulmonary fibrosis and the food ingredient and the supplement. Um, you get my question about dosing and you know optimum range and stuff. What, how, how do you think about that? Yeah. And so we, we came out with a hundred milligrams um, per day. And to Steph's point that put uh, most people into therapeutic range for what we were seeing. How did you establish that so-called therapeutic range? Yeah. And that I will have to defer to Dr. <laughs> Stephanie. Uh-huh. Okay. So, and, go ahead. Right. So, so we were again, fortunate that um, deep studies had already been done on this pure free fatty acid C15 uh, pharmacokinetic studies in large human populations from children uh, all the way up to adults. Interestingly, it was being used to uh, evaluate how well people absorbed fats with cystic fibrosis. And so it was being used as a way to measure how well uh, people were absorbing fats. And so by doing that, we now had all the pharmacokinetic data on this exact same molecule that's in, in fatty 15. So mm-hmm. 
That's how we know that by taking 100 to 300 milligrams of the pure free fatty acid C15, that thing gets raises your existing C15 levels 10 to 30 micromolars. Um, and again, kind of that's not kind of, that is where the sweet spot is, is, is where you want to be. Is that also, is there, is there because people are taking a lot of other, uh, you know, omega fish oils and things, uh, is, is that also in some of these supplements? It's, it's a great question. So getting back to the dolphins, right? It's because the dolphins don't eat ice cream or cheese. So, so they're getting their C15 from specific types of fish. Mm. Um, not all fish have C15 and, um, fish are, have a decreasing amount of C15, um, over the last, you know, couple decades. So, um, so yeah, so there is some C15. Uh, if we look at dairy fat, it represents only about 1% of total fats and dairy fat and fish, um, oils, it gets even lower. So it's there, but not necessarily in a meaningful amount. C15 in fish is primarily in the head and the skin, Mm. um, which, you know, we don't get a lot of the oils from. That's interesting. And back to the dementia story to tell that again, because I'm not, I think it kind of slipped by quickly in the, and we've, I want to reemphasize that because I think that's where people will go, huh? (laughs) Lead in. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, right. So dolphins, um, can develop, um, a full suite of changes and their brain consistent with Alzheimer's, which is fascinating, right? Because it's not an induced disease in a lab. This is a large brained long lived mammal that develops the exact same, um, condition of Alzheimer's, uh, as, as we do. So, um, understanding that we're still in the early stages of understanding it. Um, and again, you know, we talked about, we've discovered a lot of different molecules that predict healthy aging, um, focusing specifically on the brain. Um, but we have been looking at C15 and its role with regard to brain health. Um, so when, you know, we're talking about this anti-inflammatory mechanism, um, C15 creates a, uh, when we take C15, we make a metabolite called PDC, um, pentadecanal carnitine. Uh, it is, we published last year, uh, that PDC is the first full acting endocannabinoid, uh, is the second ever discovered full acting endocannabinoid, which means it, yeah, so it targets these same CB1, CB2 receptors, um, you know, as, as marijuana, um, but clearly we don't have those receptors in our brain and body for marijuana. It's, it's probably in part for this metabolite. So this is where we get to brain health with regard to, you know, being able to support. That. So is, is anandamide, which is the one we think of mm-hmm. as the CB1, CB2, uh, agonist, is this carnitine a relative of that? I don't it, I picture the structure it, quite in my head. Right. Yeah. It um, it looks different. Uh, but it is correct in which it's now in the same family with regard to its activity. Um, it was a full activator. It is a full activator of both CB1 and CB2, which as you know, Dr. Drew, like you're just saying, is very rare. There's only one other molecule, uh, that can do that. So, you know, here again, we've taken C15 out of our diets, creating population-wide nutritional deficiencies, we're understanding what effect does that have on our aging, on our health, on our liver health, on our metabolism, on our brain health. And now when you take away something that is supposed to be helping with pain and sleep and mood, uh, 
right. has C15 been playing a, you know, a lack of C15 been playing a role in that as well? Right. So, so it's, it's, it's again, interesting therapeutic potential here, right? Which yeah. people with have been looking at anandamide for quite some time, and, but the Holy grail actually is on the hunger mechanisms. Uh, and that has failed repeatedly because of all the mood side effects and other things that have uh, mm-hmm. kicked in. There may be something here. And, and just to yeah. emphasize that system, the inanimate system is a, is a regulatory. It's a, it's not a, it's not a stimulating or downregulating. It's a actual regulatory part of the brain system. It's, it, it raises interesting ideas about, I don't know, membrane stability and overstimulation or, cause there, there is something called excitotoxicity that we see with uh, amphetamines where the, the vesicular function kind of breaks down uh, when cells are stimulated too, too severely and uh, the neurotransmitters become free in the cytoplasm and they turn into free radicals and destroy the cells, which again, this all may one day hook together. So it'd be very interesting. Yeah, the reason it's interesting why we went down that pathway and why we started looking at the metabolites was as fatty 15 was getting out there and the first 50,000 people or so took it, we surveyed them at two weeks. How are you feeling? And we couldn't ask the dolphins or cell systems if they were feeling any better. So what we found is 50% of people at two weeks were actually feeling better mood, better sleep, Mm. decreased appetite and thicker hair and 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 shinier skin. And so that's the reason we started looking into this because same we dose, said, okay, same dose you're, they're distributing, you're selling right. it. Yeah, wow. It's an essential fatty acid. It's got to have some amazing metabolites and hence, and turns out to be the second ever to be discovered fully acting in a cannabinoid. Uh, go, go dolphins. Go dolphins indeed. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, I hope people get it. Uh, I mean, we're 40 minutes into our conversation and I hope people understand why I wanted to sit and tell the whole story. It's, it's complicated. It's great science. It's great story narrative. And it's so, so compelling. I mean, you, you've, I've only heard the condensed version and I, and uh, now I've heard the the lengthier version. We're still going, right. We're still, we're still in this. Um, and so I hope other people understand this. If people have questions about it, is there somewhere they can go? Is there a website or something they can ask you guys question or anybody else over at the team? Right. Please do. We are a very small team. So just reach out to info at fatty15.com. F-A-T-T-Y-15. Okay. And right. And fatty15. You get 20% that- off your order at uh, forward slash drdrw too. And again, this is not a paid endorsement. I'm, I'm not, I want to be, I'd like to be, and I'd be even probably more enthusiastic, but, but it is a great product. And I, t- and as I say, take it, make my family take it. I made these guys send me some samples and it's like, I've been all over them for a little while and we've been waiting to have this conversation for a minute. So you can, you can tell I'm kind of enthused about it, but go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, the supplement and what we can talk about in the supplement lives on fatty15.com. Whereas we created another site called discoverc15.com where we put all our research and the world's research about sat- fatty 15, sorry, about C15 on that site. So if you want to really nerd out on the science, discoverc15.com what what is uh have, have i have we flushed out the landscape pretty well have we is there more to, to the story have i missed something yeah i think it's great uh we did have um you know a, a a not we but the world has a clinical trial um c15 supplementation did come out uh just two weeks ago uh oh. from from singapore uh, there's another one coming um just as a tease uh that uh results will be shared uh in mid by mid 2024 where's that this, one from 
Uh, this one, that one is from Brady Children's Hospital, uh, kind of graduates of the program, young adults that had a history, have a history of fatty liver disease. Uh, same, or, in, same endpoints in both studies? Uh, different endpoints. So this study, it, we didn't even know it was happening, which is, again, a lot of the excitement around C15. It's great that we were able to kind of set the stage. But what's happened now wonderfully is the world is now working on C15. Oh, nice. So every, I'd say probably every other week, there's a new paper coming out on C15 from anywhere around the world, which is amazing. So this one um, came from Singapore and uh, they looked at women with uh, who had a high BMI, so uh, had higher weight and fatty liver disease. And they, this was a really interesting and challenging study, Dr. Drew. They had uh, uh, the first group, the control group, were women that were then put on a low-calorie diet, so caloric restriction, only 1,500 calories per day for three months. The second group was on a low-calorie diet plus uh, that followed Mediterranean guidelines, so a low-calorie Mediterranean diet. And then the third group was low calorie Mediterranean plus C15 supplementation. I mean, that is, that is a big ask, right? Because we know we're going to see benefits just by lowering your caloric intake, added benefits from that Mediterranean diet. And so what they found was in the third group, you know, on top of all the benefits of um, improved liver enzymes, lower liver fat, improved glucose control, um, you know, all those benefits that come with um, the first two groups there was an added benefit of lower LDL cholesterol, uh, less abdominal fat mm. compared to the low calorie group. And fascinatingly, a healthier gut microbiome. So they found that in this third group that had C15 supplementation for 12 weeks, they had improved growth of this bacterium in our gut, a healthy one called a bifidobacterium adolescentis. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so you say I didn't. To be honest, I I will be honest. I did not know. Well, about- I, I I just hear these. I I really I kind of go. I my head starts to swim, but I've hear <laughs> of these particular bacteria coming up all the time. So yeah, I try to optimize certain ones, and this is one of them. Yeah. So again, again, all gets down to like what Eric said, right? It's okay. Yeah. Well, it's an essential fatty acid. And it, is, yeah. is there any issue with taking the C Does it need to be taken on an empty stomach with other? Th- if it's taken with other things, is there any problem with it? Because I take it there with is, supplements, so go ahead. There is not. So we created a free fatty acid, which is really bioavailable. You don't need to take it with food. You know, it's vegan friendly. It's a pure powder. And it's really interesting because what we found over time is because it's a pure powder, it's got a really long shelf life. So this is an ingredient. You could put this in a bar and ship it to another country and it would be stable you can put this in a you know on the shelf and it'll be stable for we know now know uh four years at 100 percent pure which wow. is very different from oil-based ingredients and, and i interrupted you uh stephanie you're telling the story about the the studies that was one of the studies yeah so that is the one that just published um which is really exciting um you know so it, it means it's not just well take this pill and it'll do some things but you or you could just exercise and eat a good diet this actually shows that it has an above and beyond um benefit the second study is the one that's um you know coming out uh next year led by Dr Jeff Schwimmer um, he is a leader in fatty liver disease in children. Uh, and Jeff, it was interesting. It's a really neat story. Um, we had published that dolphins got fatty liver disease back in 2013. So 10 years ago. And he reached out 
uh, we didn't know him. He reached out and he's like, I don't think so. He's like, I don't think we're talking about the same disease. Wow. Can you send me some liver samples, some archived liver samples of dolphins? So let me take a peek. And I'll never forget the email when it came back. Just titled the email, We Are a Go. He's like, This is <laughs> this is the exact same disease process that I'm seeing in these kids. And he's like, This is fascinating because at the time he was pursuing it was all about sugar. And he's like, Dolphins don't eat sugar. So the last 10 years we've been working independently, but um at at the same time, pursuing the hypothesis that nutritional C15 deficiencies are actually the cause of NAFLD and that fatty liver disease is a C15 nutritional deficiency syndrome like pirates and scurvy and vitamin C. Wow. So obviously this clinical trial results that will be coming out next year, very exciting with regard to this hypothesis. This means that we have a, an opportunity to fix a problem of a disease that's now affecting one in three people, one in 10 children globally. It came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And now we might be able to explain why and to be, most mm -hmm. importantly, fix it. Listen up, campers. It's time to buckle up, pitch a tent, and take a hike. This is Camp Counselor's Podcast. With Zachariah Porter. And Jonathan Carson. Consider this podcast your new favorite variety show. Where the badges mean nothing. And the drama means everything. Is this podcast even about camping? No, but it is camp. <laughs> we cover everything. I have a theory that a chicken finger is the perfect chaser for a tequila shot. No, because at the end of the day, I was a child actor who fell victim to an audition scam. I'm going to be vulnerable for a second. Have you ever had to shop in a husky section at a department store? Then I don't want to hear it. Honestly, I can't talk about this anymore. I'm overstimulated and I'm bloated. <laughs> From weird news and our current obsessions to hot gossip and listener submitted confessions, nothing is off limits at this camp. New episodes of Camp Counselors drop every Monday and Wednesday. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Lights, Lights out, campers. campers. I'm just curious my own for my own thing because um, I'm sort of bothered these days by clinicians that don't get good science training. And you both clearly have had exceptional training as scientists. I, I'm fortunate that I had pretty good training as a scientist. Where was your undergraduate, Stephanie? What, what did you study? Uh, I went to a UC San Diego as an undergraduate, so I ended up coming full circle. It's, mm. Once you are in San Diego, it's hard not to come back. Yeah. Uh, and so, and my training was in animal physiology and neuroscience okay. uh, at that time. So it was, you know, it was a good. I'm guessing there was a moderate amount of biochemistry in, in that as well, right? There was, there yeah. was uh, absolutely. So, and then, you know, I was really fascinated at the time. It was about infectious diseases, yeah. um, epidemiology, but then, it really, what was nice is I had met somebody on that course. I thought I was going to be going to medical school mm -hmm. and I met somebody who said, if you really want to understand diseases, um, then go become a veterinarian because you're going to learn what diseases do in 10 different species. Uh, and then you understand the disease. So it was uh, gr great advice. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's been great. And that does explain, you know, why, why dolphins? And so dolphins are a long-lived mammal uh, yeah. that in this case, right, they eat the same thing. They diet and exercise. They're in the same environment. They're not on chronic medications. Yeah. It's a really good model for a veterinarian and, and everyone yeah. else to understand the pathophysiology of diseases of aging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eric, how about you? Your training in undergrad. So uh, undergrad was Boulder. 
very much an outdoors person. I loved it. Uh, before I went to medical school, I worked in orthopedic research for Dr. Colin DeLima in total joints. And that's where I got a lot of the research background. And I was able to publish in JBGS and things like that before med school. And then I chose to go to medical school in the military. Mm. So I actually joined the Navy in 1997 and joined USIS or went to USIS, which is the only military medical school. It's so interesting. You you guys have different, I, I understand the difference in your scientific training, right? But it's complementary. It's really interesting. So, okay. So I'm going to ask Stephanie going forward, what, what do you, what's the, what does the future look like? You've sort of hinted at it, but give me sort of the more immediate, because uh, we have about five more minutes or something. And I just want to sort of uh, tease people with what's coming. Absolutely. So we're, we now understand Right, that's C15. Uh, that's and including the the pure free fatty acid form that's in fatty 15. That it uh, is not only associated with better long term health of better metabolic heart, liver, immune health, uh, longer longevity in these um, you know large human studies in experimental studies showing that it has a direct effect. We now know how it works at the cellular level, right? That we've talked about. So uh, the strength and the volume of science behind C15 is really extraordinary. Our latest paper, we went head to head against the three top longevity uh, molecule candidates. So we went against uh, rapamycin, acarbos, and metformin on a, a cellular base, that biomap system we talked about. Oh, hold now, on, slow down. This, uh, this is fascinating. So, so how, how, tell me more details on this study. When, when was this? Yeah, uh, sure. Absolutely. So we, Foreman uh, comes up every, and rapamycin lately has been coming up more. It, they come up every time people talk about longevity and I'm sort of like, oh. so, but go ahead. So we went to, and this is uh, driven by Nick Shork, a co-author on our paper. It was just published. So it was published uh, at the end of October. Um, this last this can you, year, can you please send and me that? can you send me the study? I'd love to see it. I'd love, so absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so after showing that C15 is an essential fatty acid, right, and and it was has three times the cellular benefits of omega three in this biomap system, we then went head to head because of all the science supporting it's essential. The next question was, you know, working with Nick Shork, he's head of the NIH's Longevity Consortium is how is it going to do it? Like, it actually looks like it's supporting not only our health span, but our lifespan. Mm. So we went and used this biomap system, you know, at 12 different human cell systems, 148 different biomarkers at four different doses. And we went head to head against um, metformin, rapamycin and acarbos. And what we showed was that um, C15 had the most, so 36 cellular benefits that were clinically relevant and, mm. um, Rapamycin was right under that at 34 benefits. Metformin had 17 and acarbose only had like five, but that's in part because it's acarbose doesn't work at the cellular level. It's more about it decreases our absorption of carbs. So it actually made sense. And so at the the paper that was published in Nutrients, um, in the discussion, we walk through all of the boxes that C15 checks as a gero protector, like as a true longevity enhancing, um, health span enhancing nutrient, um, that it targets hallmarks of aging. It has evidence of reducing, um, uh, our aging rate. And now uh, it's clinically relevant. It's safe that we can take over long periods of time. So really this next step, the future of C15 
is really understanding that instead of saying that C15 taps into the rapamycin and metformin pathways, right, which is like mTOR inhibitor and AMPK um, activator, instead it's flipped. I and mean, we all get C15 at birth that we talked about. This is a molecule we're meant to have to help ensure our longevity as mammals. And we're just finding that metformin and rapamycin probably just incidentally tap into the same pathways that C 15 has been using for millions of years. So really fun study uh, for sure. So that's, I can imagine that, you know, like with antibiotics, we sometimes, you hit things from multiple pathways and and maybe we'll one day be doing two of these. It would be rapamycin and C 15 or something, who knows? Uh, And so I, 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 we've, we've covered so much territory. I kind of feel like I want to leave it to people to go to the website to nerd out more, but I, but I do, I did ask the question. I didn't give you a chance to answer it. Uh, you know, what, what are you, what are you excited about going forward? What does it look like? And then more, more intermediate, short to intermediate term. Eric, you're talking like ingredients. <laughs> Uh, it's it's exciting. We have such a strong science base, but we don't have the awareness yet of this molecule. So this year, we'd like to see the world know about C15 and the benefits that we talked about. So, you know, we're still moving forward on the pharmaceutical side and those studies are going well. Um, the food ingredient, it's it's there and we're discussing, you know, how to bring that out to the world. Currently, what do you, what do you mean? Is that when you say food ingredient, you mean supplement? Um, we have both. So we have okay. a food ingredient that's ready to go, but we haven't you know, added this to our food supply yet. We're looking for the right partner. The supplement is really the only way to get this 100% pure C15 uh, as fatty 15, and it's growing very fast. And so because so many physicians were reaching out to us about the science, we actually just started a healthcare provider program. So now physicians are prescribing, but, you know, providing uh, fatty 15 to their patients. And some of those physicians are providing it instead of omega-3s, which is really interesting. Anybody messing around with uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and giving more to try to you know help people? Yes. <laughs> and so um, we there, there's a lot of data out there for this, as we discuss as a treatment for NAFLD and fatty 15, C15 mm-hmm. as a treatment for NAFLD and fatty liver disease. And do you have dosing recommendations for that? The clinical trial is yeah. done, but it's coming out in okay. Q1. You send hopefully. me all this stuff when it comes out. Yes. I'm so excited about this whole thing. This yeah. Is- and the, the clinical trial used 200 milligrams um, in and, this and, population. And your supplement is 100? It's 100. Yes. 100 it's yeah. A, yeah. One to two. Yeah. One to two capsules a day, one to 200. So, I'm so Dr. Drew, to we're- think more, I got to tell you personally, because I just think this, I think you haven't quite nailed the sweet spot for people with metabolic syndrome like me. That's what I'm thinking actually, which is, I don't have, uh, I don't think I have an alcoholic fatty liver disease, but I could get it. Uh, and I'm betting there are benefits for those of us with insulin resistance before we get you guys nodding your head like, uh-huh, <laughs> so we just can't say it yet. Okay. Well, when you can, let me know. <laughs> you can do two ca- You can do two capsules a day. No problem. Like that's, that's a- I, I got this yeah. distinct feeling. Um, also, I'd be interested in you guys. I think nicotinamide riboside has some real benefit too. And I'd love to see you guys. I don't know. I feel like together or something. I, you know, I only get these instincts on these things before the science gets worked out. And I just think I'm seeing benefit from that one too. I don't know. Different, different than what I hear about rapamycin and metformin and stuff. Um, right. And so I don't know. You can't say, don't say, don't, don't talk. <laughs> I know you, the, the FDA. I think it's good. I mean, I think. <laughs> you think what? I, I think. Um, 
I think a good, a really good point that you're making is it's like C15 is going to become the core of every person's health stock, right? It's essential. We need to get it back into our bodies. The three, we of, need us to use it to base- the three of us believe right. that. You'd be, we know, you know how medicine is. It, well, you don't actually, Stephanie, yeah. uh, Eric and I know it takes forever to get doctors to change their, their behaviors. And once they do, it's, it's like uh, Hemingway said when he was describing a bankruptcy, it's slow, then fast. <laughs> and that's and that's what happens and everyone clamors to catch up this is all early stuff and so and and by the way and this is a philosophical point i want to make too which is i really want one of my new sort of philosophical positions has become i want to put more more control back in the hands of patients i think patients need to really take control of their health care there's a lot of things happening on the prescriptive and the non-prescriptive front. And doctors are, we've, we've kind of lost our way. COVID, I was, you know, I don't know. We just kind of lost our way. And so I want to push it all back on the patient. So anyone listening to this, I encourage you to take control of your healthcare and you to do the research on this. And don't wait for the medical system to catch up and start recommending this stuff. Um, that's my message. Uh, and it's, it's my continued message. You'll hear it in 24 and 20, 2025 as well, I suspect. Because I've I've sort of changed my philosophy. I, I thought we needed to wrestle control of healthcare back to the patient physician relationship and the unit. I, I don't think I can get it back. <laughs> I think we've lost it. So I want to give it back to the patients, or we certainly can't get it back in the short, fast enough to affect the health of enough people. So, well, guys, it has been uh, it, it actually exceeded my expectation hearing the whole story in, in detail, and, and I, I knew it. I knew it within the first three minutes of talking to you guys what you were on to here and um, just congratulations and keep up the good fight. And, um, you know, I, I s- tell people again, the website, we want people to go to fatty15.com and also forward slash DRDRW. If you want to buy stuff, you get a discount and then tell me the, um, the nerd site. Right. <laughs> Fatty 15 is the supplement side. The nerd side is discover C15. Discover C15. And, and where do you want our peers to go? Do you want, is there a certain literature we need to keep an eye out for? Are there certain publications that are on this? Right. There's an applications page that we have put all the world's literature on, and we will keep updating that as well. So there's, it goes by um, organ system, disease state, mm-hmm. uh, and there are a plethora of articles now. Right. You guys are going to send me the headlines. You're going to send me the stuff as it comes out because it's very exciting. Yeah. So uh, did I miss anything? Anything else you want to say before I wrap this thing up? No, thanks for helping us save the world. Well, that's the idea. I mean, this is, uh, it's rare that I come on to something where I just uh, go, oh, oh, got it. <laughs> I know, I see I see it. And Stephanie told me her story about the dolphins and I was like, you know, lights going off in my head and then the research on the heels of it, it's like, okay, well, that's, come on now. And And by the way, I don't think we said this, I'm not aware of any downside. Is there any downside? No downside, right? Is there is there's not one single thing that we can point at that has been an adverse effect of this? And you've you've studied people using it, you've talked to them. I, I'm not aware of anything. Yeah, no, I mean, water can be toxic, right? So if you yeah, drink right. too much no, water. Yeah, so we always always want to be careful. But that being said, that it's has been extraordinarily safe. Um, yeah. whether it's from in the lab, um, even people coming back from the lab saying we cannot believe how much active beneficial uh, activities this molecule has without uh, while maintaining safety. It really is extraordinary. And again, we're just letting nature do the work and then optimizing it from there. 
And then one caveat is our, our regulatory status, which you know we're constantly working on, uh, right now covers us for up to 250 milligrams uh, per day. And grass generally recognizes safe status through the FDA. Got it. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me. And for everyone else, I'll see you next time. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Pluto TV is TV the way it should be, free, with over 300 channels, thousands of movies and TV shows, costing zeros of dollars. So if you want to watch shows like Ghost, The Walking Dead, CSI, Star Trek, or The Price is Right, well, The Price is Right, it's free. Hit movies like Braveheart, Sonic the Hedgehog, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, or Mean Girls won't cost you a thing, because everything is free. All you have to do is download the app, which, by the way, is also free. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.